You know, hallelujah, amen for that. You know, it's a good thing, the Bible says, and I quote this all the time, but it's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto his name. And so we're just grateful and thankful for the opportunity to come. You know, I mean, we could come as, we could come every day if we wanted to, but we've narrowed it down to two days. Seems to be about everybody's speed right now. But, uh, we, uh, we have a good time when we're together. Praising the Lord. We used to sing that little old song, we're together again. Just praising the Lord, you know. And uh, what a wonderful thing it is. I was just thinking, you know, uh, you just get busy in life. You know, even, believe it or not, even preachers, we don't just sit in a a little cloistered room, you know, with r- religious books and, you know, just stare at the ceiling. We actually have lives, too, and we get out in the world and go places and do things and you just kind of get caught up in that if you're not careful, the hustle and bustle. And there's just something of the peace of God that just comes on you. You can, I mean, you have that at home in your little cloistered prayer closet, but something about coming together. I've always said in a dedicated place, you know, that, that we dedicated have set apart just for the word and just for prayer and just for worship. Now, I don't mean to sound really super old fashioned and you can, do it any way you want to, but I kind of like the idea of a of a dedicated sanctuary. You know, a lot of churches they have more like a multi-purpose room, so they'll have you know food tables set up, you know, and they'll eat right in the church. And there was a church in in one place. I almost named the town that would give it away, but uh, I won't say where. But they have a prayer tower with a flame on top there in that place, in that city. But there was a church that they got so so uh, relaxed that they put in uh, drink holders in their seats so people could bring their cappuccinos, you know, and drink during worship. I think they had a snack bar open. And, uh, you know, I, whatever, I'm not, it's not, it's, I don't think it necessarily offends the Lord because I don't think the Lord gets offended. But I do think that it kind of misses the point. You know, can we not come away for an hour or an hour and a half and just focus on the Lord and the Word and prayer and turn our attention and minds and hearts towards something higher than then instead of always just worrying about, well, I got to have my Starbucks or I can't go to church. You know, that's just crazy. And... um I know that that's the trend, but I'm sorry, we're not going with the trend. We're just going to do it the old-fashioned way and have church. Amen. And, and You know, there's just something about, like I said, it doesn't affect the Lord, but it does affect our hearts and our minds, doesn't it? And so I, I like church. I like I like church buildings and church furniture and pews and pianos and organs and crosses and those things, because it just kind of reminds you of something else. Amen? And uh, so many of the churches now, they look like nightclubs, you know. I was looking online. I look online all the time at churches, and I don't mean to be snotty, but there's hardly very few that look any prettier than ours. 
Uh, most of them have black paint on the wall, some boards nailed up, and, uh, you know, everything's dark. And they say, join us for worship, and I can't see anybody because, you know, it's, it's all blacked out. So next thing we know, we should just have, uh, what could we get? Black lights and strobes. Praise the Lord. Like we used to have in the basement in the 70s, you know. All right, praise the Lord. I'll get off of that. Nobody wants to hear me complain about the weirdness in the body of Christ. Um, we're going to preach the Bible in this place. That's a lot better, isn't it, than pastor griping. Um, now, we're going to jump in. Uh, I, I'm preaching. Actually, our main verse is going to be Galatians 5.1, but we're going to have to see how we got to there, because Galatians is one of my favorite books. I, my absolute favorite is Ephesians, but I like Galatians too, because, um, and it's probably my second favorite is Galatians, because Paul has lost it with these people at this point. This is Paul at his fiery, you could say his fiery best or his fiery worst. I don't know how, depends on how you look at it. But Paul had had it with the Judaizers. He had had it with the legalists and the rule mongers and the rule enforcers and the ones that are making, they're literally spying. He, he talked about uh, he and Titus out, you know, traveling, and they had spies to see if Titus was circumcised or not. Now, how would you like to be on that committee? You know, the circumcision spy committee. And uh, and he said they're trying to spy on us to see, you know, if anybody's walking in freedom to choose their own surgery or lack thereof. And uh, because... This group is all about the flesh. What head coverings one should wear while worshiping. What, you know, uh, whether somebody's circumcised or not. Uh, what day they worship on. What food is being eaten. I mean, it just got crazier and crazier. And these Galatian people, which are just like a Mediterranean people group, they're just happy in Jesus. All they know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, if you'll remember, Paul said in the beginning of his ministry that that was going to be his message. He said, I am determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he was going to, he was content, Paul, with letting the Holy Spirit do the work on the inside of the believer. Isn't that beautiful? He said no longer, he told the church at Corinth, he said, no longer do we refer to tablets of stone. Now, you know what he's talking about there, don't you? The Ten Commandments. He said, no longer do we refer to them for our Christian living, but our his laws are now written on our hearts. Amen. And so we, he talks about fleshy uh, tablets. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he's got these people, they're getting saved, and churches are being established. 
left and right, you know, over, over the gospel, which is, we're saved by, uh, you know, Ephesians 2.8, we're saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Amen. Uh, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's his message. That's his story. And he's sticking with it. You know, like we were singing, this is my story. This is my song. We could almost say this is my song and dance because this is what we're going to stick with. Well, you've got these Judaizers that's come in and trying to drag people away from just pure, innocent faith in Christ into head coverings and surgeries and ritual washings and ritual food and and craziness to try to gain what you already got through Christ. And Paul is ticked off. And you're going to see how ticked off he was. How many know where this is going? Yeah. But every now and then I just drift back over here because this is like, you know, there's people that go fishing to get up a mess of fish to fry and eat. That's what we call it in South Georgia, a mess of fish. And then there's people that go fishing for sport, sport fishing. I call this sport preaching because it's so enjoyable to me. <laughs> and I get all kinds of interesting responses on Facebook when I preach this way. But I didn't write it. I mean, you don't blame me. If you don't like it, write Paul.com or whatever, because I didn't write it. This is this is the letters that Paul wrote. All right, so what's our main scripture tonight? Is uh, Galatians 5, 1. Stand fast. That sounds like an admonition to hold your ground, right? Hold your ground, you could say. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Free from what? From ritual, from religion, from merit-based relationship with God. All right? And then he said, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, an unlearned minister might interpret that and preach a big hot sermon calling the yoke of bondage sin. Be not entangled again with sin. He's not referring to sin. Yes, of course, we're not supposed to be entangled with sin. But that's not the subject here. In other words, what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? This is not the discussion. The discussion is the law. So the yoke of bondage, he's saying the law, be not entangled again with the law. Now notice this. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised or have faith in circumcision, is really what he's talking about, Christ shall profit you nothing. You can't mix this. You can't mix faith in Christ with religion and come up with something strong. Has anybody ever taken a bottle of Italian salad dressing with the vinegar and oil and tried to get it to blend? It won't. I don't care. You shake it and shake it and shake it. By the time you stop shaking and pour it on your salad, you know, it, it, you get all vinegar and hardly any oil. 
Because no matter how hard you shake it, it won't mix. Oil and water will not mix. And religion and faith will not mix. That's why religion is such a mess, because they try to mix some faith with it, and you end up with whatever part that's not faith will erode or corrode the real faith. Don't everybody shout at once. This is that strong language Paul's using. Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised or has confidence or faith in that, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, the problem with that is, even if you do the whole law, Paul said, no man's justified by the works of the law. We're going to see that in a minute. Wow. Christ, verse 4, is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, in your mind you're justified by how well you're keeping the rules, you are fallen from grace. Now, isn't that interesting? Because we usually think of somebody falling from grace is some, you know, well, they'll, they'll use that terminology, some famous preacher has an affair or whatever, and they'll put in the newspaper, fall from grace, or some politician, nobody cares anymore, but they used to care. Some politician has a problem, and it'd be, a, you know, the county commissioner fell from grace because of a sin issue. But here, he's talking about falling from grace when you no longer depend on Christ and you depend on your law-keeping. He says, you are fallen from grace. Isn't that interesting? For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. In other words, this has nothing any longer to do with anything. Now, the reason he's using circumcision there as the main theme is because I think it's the most extreme. In in other words, it represents all of this law-keeping. But it is the most extreme, don't you think, when you get surgery involved and the knife gets come, the literal knife comes out. You understand? And there's bleeding and everything. That's pretty extreme, don't you think? Um, Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. You need faith in grace, faith in the finished work, faith in the righteousness. Praise the Lord. Now look at this. You did run well. In other words, you Galatians people, you Galatianic people, (laughs) you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? I think Paul wanted a name. You know, he'll name people. Paul Paul had no compunction. You know this thing about if you're really walking in love, you won't say nothing? Well, that's, uh, well, say anything. Excuse my bad grammar. I went to school in Georgia. We were 49th in the nation for education. I would say Scarlett's smarter, but she went to the same state school, so... Can't do much with that. 
Praise the Lord. She is smarter. I bet she had better grades than me. We should look that up. You know, both of our mothers kept every report card we ever. Did you ever have a teacher tell you in third grade, now everything you do in here is going to follow you the rest of your life. You know, this is your permanent record. I found out that's not true, but that's what they told us. I believed it. I was a Kool-Aid drinker at school, I tell you what. Um, Paul would take names and put them in the Bible. And think about that. The word of the Lord endures forever. Those those people, you know, he talks about people that abandoned his ministry and started with him and left him. They're eternally in the word forever because <laughs> he named names. And the idea, the word of faith version of walk in love is don't say anything to anybody about anything. And uh, Paul certainly would have never made it in the word of faith. They would have, they would have told, they would have disfellowshipped him over not walking in love because he named names and put it in the newspaper, basically. Just saying, that's all. Just deal with it, whatever you want to do with that. That's, there it is. Boy, I got some names I'd like to call, but I won't. Anyway, you did run well. Who did hinder you? He wants to know. <clears throat> That you should not obey the truth. Isn't that something that he's talking about? The freedom in Christ is obeying the truth. Now, see, we hear the word obedience, and we always try to tack it to some law being kept. But he's uh, saying that walking in faith, in grace and righteousness, is obedience. Not obedience to, to, to Leviticus. All right, don't everybody shout at once. Don't want any chaos in here in this Pentecostal church. Got to keep order. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Well, if it isn't coming from him that calleth you, who do you think it might be coming from? Could it be Satan? <laughs> like, the, like the comedian used to say, is it Satan? I think it might be. It's certainly the spirit of Antichrist. A little leaven, this is like yeast in bread. How many know this is true? A little leaven leaveneth the whole loaf, the whole lump. If you've got a lump of dough and you've got sourdough and you put a little in there, it will expand it. And it will, it will grow throughout the bread, right? He says a little bit of that will go a long ways is what he's saying. I tell you, you can get a rule monger in, in, uh, coming into a church body and, and somebody that's, you know, that's taken names and that kind of thing. And before you know it, it is spread. It'll spread. You'll get judgmentalism going. You'll get all kinds of problems. I know I've been involved in that. I mean, I haven't been the person, but I mean, I've heard it and I was in churches where People, you know, reported on everybody. Amen. You know what I'm saying. I'm not saying that there not, may not be a time to bring up something that's serious that needs to be dealt with. Right? How many know there's that, too? But on the other hand, there's a little bit of balance here, isn't there? You just don't want to produce a mean church. And I've been in a mean church. Anybody here ever been in a mean one? I tell you, I've been in a mean one before. 
And like Brother Copeland says, ain't no mean like church mean. I know what you're, listen, I got a, I know a pastor in Louisiana, Church of God pastor, who, uh, the pastor that was there previous, now he took the church through faith and took them through grace, and they're a grace church now. They're still in the Church of God, but the previous pastor was there during the last days of the mean, the mean group. And so he weathered it and kind of ran all the mean people off. That's what you got to do. You know, you can't have the mean people take over. And oftentimes the mean people take over because they're meaner than everybody else. How many know what I'm talking about? You ever been in a thing like that or heard about it? They got so mad. They were trying to run off the previous pastor and they finally succeeded. And the final straw is, Somebody blessed him with a brand new Cadillac and it made them so mad that their pastor had a nice car that they took acid and poured it all over the, all over the car to burn the paint off. Church of God people, that's what they did. Now, you know, and, and, you know, when I heard that story, you know, you would think that you'd say, well, surely there's something wrong with that story. That's not possible. I know it's possible. And, uh, that's why I ha- kind of have a deal about it all. But, uh, but, uh, I tell you what, if, if anything's got my name on it and I'm going to be in charge, kind of, we're going to have love and we're going to have peace. Amen. That doesn't mean you compromise holiness or the truth, but it does mean that we don't, we don't have to get, we don't have to be mean to be people of purity. Amen. We don't have to be hateful. To preach the gospel. Don't everybody shout it once again. Got to calm it down in here. I want it calmer. Praise the Lord. We need Presbyterian level calm. Praise the Lord. I'm, ex- I'm enjoying this. I don't know if you're getting anything out of it. But I don't like mean. But I'll tell you what Brother Osborne said. He said, if you got a mean church, sometimes you do have to look at the pastor. He said, mean preachers produce mean people. And sometimes you have a mean preacher too, you know. It's just mean. I mean, I saw, I've seen videos of one guy went out in the aisle and started pulling people out and exposing what their sin was to everybody and exposing who wouldn't pay the tithe and all that, you know. This day and time, you're liable to get to Hitting the nose. Maybe rightfully so. I don't think that's the spirit of Christ, do you? I've heard, I, yeah, I, I just, I'll, I'll get off of this, but anyway, I could go, could I go on? Oh my, don't get me started. Too late. Amen. Well, Notice a little bit of that goes a long ways, right? A little leaven leaveneth the whole loaf. <laughs> he said, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. He really, he still wants a name. He keeps hinting, whoever he is, 
you know, people are looking at the floor, you know. Now, here he goes, and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off, which troubleth you. Now, you're not going to believe what he actually said there. But if you will look at that in the Amplified, I... Uh, I remember he's talking about circumcision, and he said, I wish those who unsettle and confuse you would just go all the way and cut themselves off. I didn't write that. Paul did. In other words, if circumcision helps, you just go ahead and remove everything. Now, there may be some women who would say amen to that. <laughs> this is an adult class tonight. <laughs> That's how mad Paul was that he went as far as to say that, and it's in the eternal canon of Scripture that he said, I wish they just, well, you know, if a little bit of surgery would help you, why don't you just do the whole thing? Just get rid of everything. That's And you know what? He's got a point, doesn't he? In other words, if there's holiness in a cut, then there would be uber holiness and just, you know, a major radical surgery, wouldn't there? And uh, so there's where, there's where Paul ended up. And he talks about, the fruit of the flesh and for the fruit of the spirit is here. It's, it's a wonderful continued passage. But rather than take time to read that, we'll do that another time. I want you to look back a little bit at where he built up to this explosion. Because he, I think he's getting hotter and madder as he's writing. How many know what I'm talking about? He's just, can you see that? Can you see? I mean, a guy that goes, <laughs> The guy that goes all the way to say, well, they just cut it all off. That's, he has, that's, he's lost it. If a pastor ever preached like that and it wasn't in the Bible, they'd call the state overseer. Say, we need an intervention. Our pastor has lost his mind. But that's where Paul was. He was like, he meant business, didn't he? Why? Because if you go to, don't turn there, but if you go to Ephesians, he wants people to be walking in this beautiful, in Christ, union with Christ, fantastic, height, depth, width, breadth, love of God life that he's going to describe in Ephesians. And they're back here trying to circumcise each other and wear a doily on their head and eat certain foods and leave others off and keep washings and rituals, and and he's going, no, you're going the wrong direction. I want you to see what a beautiful life in Christ can be. I want you to see what it would be like to, to, and he describes it in Ephesians beautifully, he wants them to get to the place where 
Now unto him who is able to do exceeding super abundantly above all you could ask or think. He wants them to live in that. And here they all are sharpening knives. It's crazy. Religion stops people from the beauty of Christianity. Because there's no more beautiful existence in the universe than living and walking in Christ. But you're not going to get there through the flesh. (laughs) You're going to get there through the Spirit. Preach, Pastor. So you see, here's where he, he, he was just, he was, he, he started off pretty nice at these people. Grace be to you, peace, you know, peace man, peace. And then he lets them have it. And I want you to see some things he said here. Uh, he's building up to this blow up. In Ephesians 2, and I want you to see, uh, first, let's see, where, where are we gonna, well, first he names Peter. He's mad at Peter in this whole thing. And he says, when Peter was come to Antioch, verse 11, I withstood him to the face (laughs) because he was to be blamed. <laughs> I think this is hysterical. He is not, he's had it. Can you see the man's done? Stick a fork in me, I'm done. <laughs> For before that, certain, <laughs> boy, he's got a list divine, doesn't he? Before that, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Boy, that's the truth, too. you got to watch the religious bunch. They don't even want you witnessing. Don't talk to sinners. You'll, you'll get COVID or something. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. Insomuch that Barnabas also, he's naming names of his own team. Well, you don't want to mess with a guy like this. You know, he's a Roman citizen. You know, he's Jewish, but he's also Italian. So don't mess with Italians. Okay? Because they will eventually win. Can I get an amen, Brother Frank? Insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. He's even named Barnabas, that was his big buddy. When I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, he calls it not walking uprightly. And see, we take people that are uber religious and uber careful with the rules, and we call them the upright ones. And yet he's saying that they were not walking uprightly because of their game playing with all this. This is why I had to move out of Tulsa for daring to point this out. According to the truth of the gospel, 
I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing this, you know this, this is something you're supposed to know. Everybody say, I'm supposed to know. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, in case you didn't get it the first time. He reiterates it. And for by the works of the law, third time, shall no flesh be justified. Why do you think people keep trying to do all that? Well, it's obviously a lack of faith, isn't it? It's not enough that Christ paid for me. i got to help pay, too. Well, it's getting kind. Now we're at Episcopal level of quiet. <laughs> but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. Whew, praise God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Now, does that mean, I'm going to interject here, because the minute you don't interject, somebody will interject for you on Facebook. Does that mean that because Paul said that, that there's 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 no standard for holy living, there's no lifestyle issues in the word, there's nothing... No, that's not, that's the, that's the other ditch. In fact, it should be that the saints of God live a life above reproach because of this, because of the holiness that's in Christ. Amen? Not, well, we're a grace church, so anything goes. That's not good. That's not true. I think the, the, I think the cleanest and you know what I mean by that. The cleanest and holiest church should be the grace church. Because we're so grateful for what Christ has done. Amen. And and we are now also partakers of the divine nature. Okay. And then he decides to lighten up on the uh, Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 1. He lightens up a little. Let's look at that in, do you have the message Bible of that one? You crazy Galatians. Now this is one mad Roman citizen here. You crazy Galatians. Can you believe that this is in the Bible? You cra- He said they're crazy. You know where they put crazy people? 
on the crazy farm. You crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. (laughs) For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Go to the next verse. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Go to verse 3. Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Wow, that is just really clear. Amen. And so I, I like the way that that reads better than the King James. I think that really just tells us, doesn't it? He was mad. How many see this, the anger? But righteous anger, righteous indignation. Why? Because he's just mad at them? No, because he doesn't want them to be crippled. He doesn't want them because he knows that the end of that is death and discouragement and failure. Because if, if you've ever tried to do nice enough stuff to please the Lord and you fail in it, then you feel like, oh, I, I, I failed the Lord. I can't please him. I want to, but I don't. Now you're old, wretched man that I am in Romans 7. The things you want to do, you don't. The things you hate, that's what you do. And who shall deliver me from this body of death? That's what Paul calls it. It is a death, isn't it, of a type. It's a death of faith. It's a death, a death of confidence. How do you pray? How do you believe God? How do you claim things? How do you rebuke the devil and bind and and do the things that in spiritual warfare that we do every day. How do you do that with no confidence? You can't. And Paul wants them to get back on the right track. Amen. Do you love this? Oh, I just think this teaching is so amazing. And when I saw the revelation of it back in, I know the year exactly, 1999. It changed my life forever, changed my ministry. I got voted off the island in some places because of it. But uh, that's okay, because I'd rather have the Scripture and four people excited about it than to be on the, you know, the, what is it, parade of hit, the hit parade, right? And, and, And be promoting something that's a lie. And so, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, let's, let's wrap this up. I got like two minutes. I want you to look at, again, you know, you have to, you, you know, Paul tells us as you keep reading through here, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, you know, that look at verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of this law to do them. Did you know there's, there's dishonest preachers 
they're either dishonest or ignorant, that will read that verse as this, as if it's a commandment. And that's not what he's saying. He's saying if you're under the law, you're cursed. But, how many know there's some buts in the Bible that are important? But, that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. So what would be the point? For the just shall live by faith. Oh boy, I'm biting my lip. There's some things I could say that could just blow up the whole internet. But I won't. But I want to. The Lord knows I want to. Look at verse 12. This is an interesting verse. And the law is not a faith. <laughs> but the man that doeth them shall live in them. You live in the law. How many would rather live in the in the faith and have all those blessings? Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, on the cross, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Do you know why I like the symbol of the cross for me? This is just for me. The reason I like the symbol of the cross, the empty cross, I'm not much for crucifixes, but the empty cross I like because by it being empty, it, it denotes a finished work. Yes. Yes. Christ went to the cross. He's not still hanging there, still bleeding and dying and suffering. He's not the suffering Christ anymore. That's why I don't really like him. Nothing against the Catholic Church. I'm just saying I don't particularly enjoy crucifixes. But the cross, the empty cross, represents the finished work. He went to the cross. He came down from the cross. He went to the grave. He rose again. He seated at the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to make intercession for us. Wow, what a beautiful thing. And so the cross, believe it or not, the cross is not a place of blessing. It was a place of curse. But what it represents to us is, look at that symbol, look at that cross. It represents that somebody hung on that, paid the price for us to free us from this law, free us from the curse of the law and set us free into the blessing of Abraham. So the cross represents the blessing of Abraham to me because without it, we couldn't get there. The cross is our bridge from the land of the curse to the land of the blessed. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? So it's like people say, oh, Jesus must love the cross. No, he despised it. He said he despised it. He despised the shame of it. But we love it as a symbol only. There's nothing really holy about it other than that it represents the finished work of Jesus. Amen. And what he did. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Praise God. Did that, is that enough for you tonight? A little shot in the arm? Yeah. Stay in faith.
Don't let condemnation get you. Yeah, well, I got some problems in my life. Oh, really? I'm shocked. I'm going to faint. Oh, I'm so surprised. You know, well, welcome to the club. But I'll tell you what we can do is always go to this and to say, praise God. You know, I've got a covenant. I am redeemed from sin. Sin, I'm redeemed from sin. Sickness, disease, lack, poverty, darkness, failure, people cursing me, things not working out. I'm redeemed from all that because of Christ. And we're going to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm determined as your pastor to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. Hallelujah.